Welcome to the Scott Harness Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am so excited to be with you today. We've got an engaging topic that we're going to unpack together. I've got a group of folks in the room, but what we're going to be talking about today and what we're going to answer today is, do you have to go to church to go to heaven? I think that's a great question, and I've heard it said a lot of different ways, you know, but but that's a fundamental question that we have heard, and uh, we want to unpack that with you today. But before we do that, before we jump into that question, let me throw a couple things at you. One is, is if you're watching us on YouTube, would you please like this video? Remember, you don't have to subscribe subscribe to like the video, but I wish you would. If you go ahead and subscribe, that keeps content coming to you. I just read, um, or was just looking at our analytics for our YouTube channel and 90% of the people who are viewing our video uh, videos are not subscribers. Now, the reason why that that's important is because as our subscribers continue to grow, our opportunities to put this content, this information, these, and answer these hard questions that people need to hear about, um, as you subscribe, it helps us get this content in front of other people. So think about it as a missions project, you know, not only are we going to be helping you, but you can be helping the world um, that we live in. So please do that. And that would be a super big help to us. If you'll click the bell, then every time we put in new content, which by the way, we put videos up all the time, all different types of videos on all different types of subjects and things. Um, you're going to, you're going to get to know about that. So do that. If you would, if you don't mind, please do that. But today we're going to be talking about, do you have to go to church or go to heaven? Can you go to heaven without going to church? <laughs> or do you have to go to church to go to heaven? You know what I'm saying? So do you have to be in church to go to heaven that's what we're going to talk about before we do that let's go around the room real quick and let me just kind of introduce you to everybody first we got faith um she is our campus director for our sherwood campus and faith is going to be chiming in on the discussion and preparing us to you know as we kind of go through this and we have abby um abby is over our church connections she really navigates a bunch of people through what we you know believe and who we are as a church here at that church and she has such a cool perspective because she gets to hear a lot of the questions of people who are just kind of walking yeah. through the door. So it's kind of cool. Also, we've, we've got Brady over here on the mechanics of everything, and he's going to keep us moving forward and making sure that we look good, sound good. And that's a big job. I got Brady, Brady, Brady got a big Don't job. Don't worry about it. I got you. Anything that <laughs> makes us look good, it would be a lot of work. So so before we jump in the discussion, though, let's just talk about a few different things. We've had some cool stuff happen over the last several weeks, and I think being able to share that with you is kind of kind of one of the cool parts of the podcast is that we don't have to just stay on script. We can kind of discuss some stuff that's going on. So, Faith, what's some cool stuff that's going on around your world? Well, we just went on a staff retreat. Yeah. So that was really fun. And uh, we just had baptisms. Yeah. And baptism actually turned out really good. Um, we had a bunch of people get baptized and a bunch of kids. Yeah. So that was really cool and exciting. And so many families excited to see um, their kids get baptized. So that's. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things. Absolutely. <laughs> Abby, what's going on in your world? Um, so <laughs> baptisms was real big mm -hmm. and so much fun. Um, I was uh, the preschool. Uh, I was a volunteer in preschool ministry with For some of these kids. Time. And now they're several years later and they're getting baptized. And it was just beautiful. Um, and then this week we have Lord's Supper coming up. Yep. And yeah. um, oh, it's always incredible. It's always incredible when we do Lord's Supper. So definitely check that out. I think one of the cool things that's happening right now with us that I think that makes everything that we're getting a chance to do so much sweeter is the fact that these are things that we, for the past year, have 
really had a hard time doing because yeah. we couldn't gather and there was all the the social distancing and the separation and all that stuff. And we're getting to do those again. You know, we spent the month of April really, really working hard to reach people with the gospel. And we we saw we saw over 150 people commit their life to Christ through the church and and um, and then we baptized. Was it? I think I thought it was close to 40 here at Sherwood. I could be wrong. I'm not exactly sure mm -hmm. what that number was, but I know we baptized a bunch of people here at the last baptism. Mm -hmm. Cabot baptized, uh, I think, 10. And so we're, we're, we're enjoying these in a new way because yeah. we didn't get to do it. You know, this is stuff that we've hungered to do, to see people going public with their faith and, and us being able to connect with people. And it's just been, I don't know, I just think it makes it more precious, even though it was mm -hmm. never not precious, but right. it, it's made it more made it more precious so yeah. so brady with students what kind of cool stuff are you seeing happening with students yeah so um yeah we've been doing momentum for the past like five four four weeks four yeah. weeks now and so it's been it's been going really good each week we are getting more students connected um so i think the first week we had like 30 and then last week we had like almost 50 so yeah. So we've been we've been growing really well. Um, small groups have been great. Um, our, we've we've had a chance for our student leadership school yeah. to take over a lot of things. Yeah. So so they're running all the messages. So yep. every single sun or every single Wednesday they're doing the message. Um, so it's always at a student perspective. Um, and then they're running small groups. They're running games. Um, yeah, it's been it's been really really incredible. It's huge. It's yeah. huge. And that student leadership school is so cool to watch these students take ownership. And I'll tell you what's funny is that is that there's a lot of times where students will listen to other students way before they would listen <laughs> yes. to, you know, some old crusty adult, not that Brady's old and crusty. No, don't feel that way. Oh, I mean, that dude's that look at him. Look how young that old, dude looks. Old crusty adult. He looks, Lovely. looks young as, that, I don't know. That right there, you know, my, you know, my feelings towards you go way down. So we'll, we'll talk about how you look and how you sound later. <laughs> so anyway, um, so let's jump into this question because I think we need to unpack it. First of all, let's just let's just dive in because here's the question: Is do I have to go to church to get to heaven? Um, what what gives us entry into heaven? I think that would be the first thing that we unpack. And I do want to give you this understanding, and and we'll probably put it in the um, description. I did a video on what it means to be a Christian, and we're going to include that because we're not going to spend a lot of time unpacking this facet of it because I did do a video on it. It's important, but we want to kind of focus on the church a little bit in this discussion. So we're going to kind of just spend time here for just a moment. So what does it take to get to heaven? Abby, let me just throw that at you since you're so brilliant and awesome. Give us a, give us your opinion, give us your idea, give us your biblical basis for, you know, how do we get to heaven? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right. Did y'all know I was going to say that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So uh, yeah, the beauty of that question uh, do I need to go to church to get to heaven is, um, the, the, like, it, it's Christianity is you don't have to do anything yeah. to get to heaven besides believe that's right in Jesus mm -hmm. Christ and have faith in him. So there's no work you have to do. There's no, good. I need to get my life together before I, I talk to lots of people about, yeah. um, uh, you know, when they accept Christ or when they want to get baptized and they say, well, I don't really have my life together yet. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you don't need that. You just need Jesus. And That's he's right. the one that will bring you through that. And it's a, it's a process, but, um, yeah, so it is, uh, I mean, it's over and over and over again in the scriptures that, um, Jesus says in the gospels, like it's me, yeah. I am the gate. I am, I am the shepherd. I am the life. I'm the light. Um, and so, 
Um, yeah, we just need Jesus. Now we'll get into why church is like essential uh, to the Jesus life that Mm -hmm. you live after you accept him. But, um, if you want, if you want heaven, which means you want Jesus, then gotta get Jesus. That's right. I feel like some people think of, um, Christianity, like a diploma, like I gotta go through, I gotta have two years of this associate's degree, then two years of this bachelor's degree. And and I got to know this much, you know, I got to like, let's say for nursing school, like I needed to know how to start an IV. You know, I needed, I needed to know how to assess somebody. You know, there was a lot of things that I needed to know before I was a nurse. However, you know, Christianity is not that, you know, there, you can jump straight into it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, exactly he doesn't require right. us to, to know everything. In fact, we can't know everything. Yeah. <laughs> so he's well, already given us that freedom uh, on that side. On our end. Yeah. And if you look at the verses about salvation, they're usually like one verse, <laughs> which means it doesn't really actually take very much. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that part is the free gift that God's given us. That's the extension of grace. That's how it works is that um, it's not about our power. It's in our weakness. And uh, that's, that's where he comes that's in good. and, and uh, you know, saves us. If, if it took a lot on our end, we would think it's us. And Paul talks significantly about that is that yeah. it is not about what we um, can do now. Again, we'll get into that because that's a much deeper topic, but mm-hmm. um, it's not about what we can do at all, or we wouldn't be able to give the credit to, to Jesus, yeah, we would give the credit to ourselves because we're human and we're simple. Right, that's good. It's really good. I think one of the things too that I always ask people when they say, you know, about going to heaven or wanting to go to heaven, I always want to ask this question: Why do you want to go to heaven? Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you what do you think's in heaven that you think you want? Um, because sometimes we think of heaven being an arrival point where. Yeah. Um, and really, our selfish desires are, I want me to be the subject. I want my <laughs> desires to be fulfilled. I want all that I can get. So we tend to associate that with what heaven is like. And really, the key feature of heaven is that God's there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I always ask this question, why would you want to go to heaven? Because the reality is, is that heaven is only enjoyable because you love Jesus and because mm-hmm. Jesus is the key feature of heaven. And so I think one of the things we need to come to grips with is, do am I forming a relationship with, with God through his son, Jesus, because yeah. I love Jesus and mm-hmm. because I want to, he's already demonstrated his love towards me, that he died for me. You know, am I demonstrating my love towards him? I'm going to live for him. And so when I, when we talk about going to heaven, why would you want to go? Because if you, if you want to go thinking that in heaven, you're going to get all your dreams fulfilled, you have plenty of money and you're going to get to drive a cool car and it's all going to (laughs) be, then you're going to be disappointed because the key feature of heaven is that you get to be with Jesus. And, and if you don't develop an appetite for, and a desire to want to be with Jesus, then you're not going to like heaven. You know, and Mm -hmm. I said that to plenty of people, I don't, you know, you think you're going to like heaven. You don't, you're, you're making your own heaven, you know? Heaven is where God is, and that is the key feature of it. And so do I want to be where God is? And if I can't say right now in this life that I want to be where God is, then I'm probably not going to want to be where God is in heaven either. So (laughs) so I have to develop that and ask these these hard questions to myself. Um, But the entryway, as we've unpacked, is but but one way. There's only one way to heaven, and that's Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man come to the Father but by me. And so it's through Christ and Christ alone. So transitioning forward, though, let's talk about this a little bit. So so we know for sure, according to Scripture, that the only way that we have entry into heaven is through Jesus, and heaven is about Jesus, um, and heaven is going to be for Jesus. Um, so what's the importance of the church? Why do we Why do we have the church? Why do we, what's the big deal um, about the church? What do you guys think about that? What's a log we throw on that fire? 
Um, so I would say, I think, you know, how you said like heaven is, uh, you know, us going to be with Jesus. Um, and, uh, it's so evident in the scriptures that the church is the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So it is how we are in Jesus here on earth. It is literally how we go and spread heaven on earth it's good. is through the church. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, on the Damascus road, when Paul, or he's called Saul at that point, um, sure. meets Jesus and he has been, you know, persecuting, uh, Christians at that point. And Jesus goes, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Yeah, Saul's not that's persecuting right. Jesus. He's persecuting church, but Jesus sees the church as himself. Mm -hmm. right. Um, and so like, that would be my first thing is, um, uh, is to let people know that the church is how we do this Jesus life here yeah. and, and Jesus, you know, didn't seem to think that there was another way to do it. Now it may look completely different in sure. different, um, parts of your life and, um, places of on earth, uh, you know, like where there's like uh, persecution or something, but, um, but that is how God has, uh, he has given us the ability to bring that heaven here on earth, which is what he, he wants us to do. Yeah. I think that's good. Let me ask you this, you know, somebody on the outside looking in, let's say you've got somebody that is, um, uh, you know, they just wasn't raised in an environment where, you know, there's any, any really discussion or talk about the Bible or, or, or the, the lifestyle of living yeah. in Christ or, 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 you know, the church and that involvement in there. And they're looking from the outside. They're trying to look through the window. What would you guys say personally that you've experienced or received from being a part of the church that, that has really made a difference in your own life? Um, <clears throat> I would say one of the things that we, I think, is very uh, critical is um, just a knowledge base, sure, a beginning point. Um, I think that the Bible is, um, you know, God breathed, and it is the key to um, our life in Him. But it's kind of hard to understand, and it's really hard to get started in. And you read some things, and you're like. Uh, I don't know what that means. It sounds really scary. Like yeah. washing the blood of lamb. I don't want to be washing any blood. Like, you know, you start reading things and it doesn't <laughs> sound clean to me. Yeah. So, so we're slaying animals now. Like it just, it sounds kind of crazy. Yeah. And the church is a great place to find people who can help you walk through the Bible and understand it better. That's right. um, it's also a great place to find community where your kids are protected and your students, a place where they can find um, just friends friendships that you can trust. And, yeah. you know, the church is built of broken people as much as anybody else. And, um, but it is a place where I can find community and that in my personal life, um, there's never been a time where I have not found friendship that I can trust that I can go to in the church. And I just don't find that in the world the same way. I just no. don't. Yeah. Nowhere. Um, I would say for me, I grew up, um, I grew up in a, a part of America where churches sent their their people as missionaries yeah. to where I lived. And we hosted missionaries as if we were like needed. You know, it's just so weird. Like we were the mission field. Right. Um, and like I remember this church from Kentucky came up and they did mission work in my hometown. And I was like, oh, it's kind of weird. Like I live in a place where they need mission work. Um, and so I, I lived in a tiny town in Maine and, um, the church for me was a constant, um, uh, it was a constant, like I'm not alone in the world. Yeah. Uh, it was the only place where I could be myself. 
and That's be good. safe. Um, it's the only place where I wasn't crazy for believing in a man mm-hmm. named Jesus. That's um, good. And um, it was, I, I remember high school was hard. Um, I was one of very few Christians. And so I would just get beaten, um, not like physically, um, but uh, spiritually beaten up um, every day in high school. Um, and then I would get to church and it was like, this is where I heal. Um, and I, and I didn't have those words in high school necessarily, or those thoughts, but I remember I would get thirsty for church. Yeah. Um, I needed, I needed those, um, moms and dads and uncles and aunts and cousins and siblings. Um, especially cause we did, we lived away from our physical family. Um, and they became our family, uh, yeah. for sure. Um, so yeah, church was it was if I hadn't had church in Maine, I wouldn't be a Christian. Today. It was a sanctuary. Yeah, it was yeah. a sanctuary for you. Yeah. You know, I love visiting, and I used to do this um, through the week, midweek stuff. I used to go all times of black churches, and one of the reasons why I love a black church, especially if you've got an older black church, if you've got a church, uh, a black church that's from years ago. Um, you'll hear the music is so rich. You'll see that the messages are so rich. And it's because, and one of the things I've come to understand is that I think it's what Abby was saying was that when you think about these churches that live through the the time of civil rights, these churches that existed during time of great persecution and difficulty, there is this this bond that's formed. It's almost as if when, when you get to church, you can go, I'm among people who understand me. I'm a, I'm on, among fellow strugglers, and it it does become your your sanctuary. While you were on the street, you know, during that time, uh, you you had to kind of get to the church because once you got through those doors, you were safe. And having that opportunity, something about that though, and and having that shared common struggle and that shared common sanctuary feeling of sanctuary, um, I think made the church so much richer. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I just I love black churches, especially older black churches that are filled with older black yeah. church members because they have an understanding of a struggle and they understand the value of coming together and how important it was that that we find ourselves unified in this place and it's one place that I can relax I can rest I can rejuvenate I can um, I can have someone understand me I can be understood and I just think it's a I think it's a powerful thing and I think it's a beautiful picture of what the church is and I I think the longer we go just to be quite honest with you I think the longer we go in the society we're in you're going to find as persecution begins to escalate as our community begins to continue to jettison and the values that we've always clung to as a nation, um, you're going to find more and more pressure with against the church and having a group of people that you identify with. You look at the, the early disciples. Why did they gather together? Because that was the only people who understood them. You know, they understood each other. Yeah. They're in this they're in this place that's hostile to the message that they have. And so they find their, you know, they're going to find their identity there. there. There were times in our community where public offices and things like that reflected the values and the importance of things that we hold dear in the church. But that's going away. I just mm-hmm. went to a, my daughter's graduation just recently. And uh, it's the first graduation I've ever been to in my life where there was no prayer at all. And I asked the question, where, where'd the, um, you know, where'd the prayer go? Well, there was no mention of God or anything. And uh, I was basically told that they had made the conscious decision to leave that out. It was too controversial. So as we go along, the world is going to continue to go the pattern that the world is going to go in. And that pattern is not the pattern of a follower of Jesus. And so the church becomes more important because I need to continue to keep the threads on my identity 
a sharp. Mm -hmm. And so to do that, I have to be around people who understand the, the importance of the mission. The, the people at the lake, at the campground, they don't understand the importance of people dying and going to hell. Yeah. Um, the person that's in your business, that's that's got a career mindset, they don't understand the importance of the ministry of Jesus. And so you need to, to, to be connected in that place for not only rest and rejuvenation, but I think for refinement, it yeah. causes me to go, wait a second, there's something way more important than me having a, a better job or buying that new thing or, or whatever. And I need to be around other people. It's not just the message, but it's the message that the people have, I think in, yes. in the church. And I get strengthened. Every, I mean, I, mm -hmm. even as a pastor, I mean, I get around people and I'll see commitment. Some of our single moms and stuff, I'll watch how committed they are. And I'll think she worked all week yeah. and she's here volunteering yeah. in children's ministry. Mm. We're not worthy. We're not worthy right. at all. Wow. Incredible. You know, and, and so I think kind of you were talking about just being alone, you know, um, you don't see very many times. Well, you know, um, the Trinity, God, yeah. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, um, three in one, a relationship. Yeah. There's not uh, aloneness there in marriage. There's two people that become one. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, the female and the male, they become together and they, uh, they become one in scripture. Um, you know, it, it talks about the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. What does a roaring lion go for? It goes for the, the animal that decided to go off by itself and get That's the right. water. Why? Harvey. Because it's <laughs> Harvey. <laughs> I was literally thinking that. <laughs> Why? Because they're alone. It's That's an right. easy prey. And I think that I hear so often, well, you know, um, you don't have to to go to church to be a Christian. Yeah, that's true. But you also don't see very many people running hard for the Lord alone. You're right. Because it's hard. You're right. It just is hard. I mean, it's hard with all these people around me. I yep. get exhausted all the time. Um, and so I think that the idea um, that do you have to go to church is the wrong, you know, question for me. It's I get to go to church. Yeah and go to heaven like so i get to have a part of heaven on this earth that's right that's double good. whammy of awesomeness <laughs> you know good. right good. yeah i think um if someone asked me like do i have to go to church to go to heaven i would have to address what why don't you like church yeah Where, where's your pain coming from sure yeah um or your intrepidation with church like what where's that um coming from and we would have to get to the root of it and then pull that stinking weed out like, yeah. that that is not of god that's right. um that's not how he wants you to function um on his earth as a christian and so i think as um uh, as people who are in a church um and and know the flaws we all know that's how right. church oh, can do you mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it hurts sometimes oh does it you'll get abandonment issues man we're all in counseling that's right. That's uh, right. but like uh, church counseling um but we've got to you got to like deal with it you can't just like oh you know i can do christian uh, without church um like that is like, okay, well let, let's see who hurt you. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> why, yeah. Why, why are we acting like that? Why are you saying that? Um, recently I had a friend post about, um, she was like, I hate how churches are all big productions now, blah, yeah. blah, blah, all of this stuff. If, if you want to win millennials back, you need to do this, 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 this. And I was like, well, first off millennials will come and go. The <laughs> church will not. So like, yep. put, like align ourselves with like the actual thing you want that will last forever. That's good. Um, but second off, um, I, I just posted underneath it. So where are you going? Yeah. So you, you can serving? list out all the things wrong, but you still need to find a place um, right. of, 
of believers, even if you don't like everything that your church does. That's right. Yep. Uh, and you won't. You no. won't. No. And you know what you do when you don't? You pray. That's right. You tell God, you tattle to him. Oh. <laughs> That's right. You, you know what else you do? You step up and you help. Amen. Preach. Uh, you know, I'll never, if you want to volunteer. I'll never forget our kids director, um, Kellyanne. The reason that she got involved is because she picked up her baby uh, and her baby was soaking wet and she hadn't been changed and it really bothered her. And she was about to turn around. She was about to yell at the lady and she looked and there was like 15 babies in there and the lady was obviously overwhelmed. She went and signed up that day to volunteer. Yeah. You know, she could have chose to um, drag that poor girl down even more. She already knew she was struggling that day. She was doing the best she could, um, or she could choose to get involved. That's and good. I think that, you know, that that question goes back to what can I do the bare minimum to get to heaven? Mm. That's just not our goal. Um, you know, one of the things I love about the church is it constantly pushes me to care about other people more than That's myself. Good. That's which good. Is so different from what the world tells me to do. Yeah. I mean, we have spent the last year thinking about protecting myself. That's all I've been taught. Stay in your house. Protect yourself. That's right. Don't don't get around people. You might get COVID. Don't get near this person. You might get this or that. Yeah. And we have gotten this idea that it is about us. Mm. And people were still going to hell that whole time. And they weren't getting the opportunity to know heaven and know Jesus during that time. And they were hopeless. And they struggled with depression and anxiety because we're not meant to live alone. We're not meant to be all about ourselves. God didn't intend that. We created that as humans. And so that question goes back to, you know, what can I do the bare minimum? If I had the option to play high school football or be in the NFL, if I just put a little bit more work into it, I hope we all want to be in the NFL and put some work into it. It's kind of the same thing with church. I can, you know, stay at home by myself and yes, I'll get to heaven. You know, I'll go and get to heaven, but I could have this opportunity to experience freedom with other people and bring other people with me into heaven. And um, I just choose that. It's good. That's just the choice. Yeah. And I think one problem with the question is that usually the people that say like, you know, that are wanting their part, like they're biased into that question. Uh, the people that usually say that are probably the lukewarm Christians that yeah that uh the Jesus talks about in Revelation and and uh, as a lukewarm Christian you've you you're right where the devil wants you you yeah. know okay yeah you've been ex- you've been saved and you failed at that part uh but you're not spreading the word that's right you know you're not fulfilling the mission that Jesus has called mm-hmm. you to you're not helping people so so now as a uh, as as somebody that's not you know, producing leadership, producing disciples as somebody that's not, you know, given into the mission that God has called us to. We're just sitting there yeah. and uh, it's just a lazy excuse. Yeah, to be I, really I, honest with you. That's good. I would say this too, though, and I think you, you have to connect the dots is that I go back to even what we said about heaven is that do you really want to go to heaven? Because Jesus is going to be the subject of heaven. And so what you're going to say is, is that you're going to say, yeah, I want to go there. But, but yet the organ, the organism that Jesus is the subject of. You don't want to be a part of that, but you think you want to be a part of heaven. I I would ask the question when you try to separate uh, the very group of people that Jesus died for, um, which is by his own words, um, and you separate that out and you say, you know what? I I love Jesus, but I don't love his people. I love Jesus, but I don't love what he calls his body. Mm -hmm. I love Jesus, but I don't love his bride. I would say that maybe the church, it's not that that you need to go to church to go to heaven, but what if church was a really good litmus test as to whether or not your heart's really where it's supposed to be anyway? And what maybe the reason why Jesus gave us the church was so that you and I could begin to understand our own heart. Yeah. Our own heart is selfish and self-centered, and, it, and our 
own heart desires to have what we want, and our own heart demands its way. Um, but the scripture says over and over that that's not what love does, and that's not what God is about, and that's not what God wants us to be about. And so I think that the the church kind of can become that that test. It's not the way that you get to heaven, but maybe just maybe your desire to to not really participate in what Jesus said is the most important mission on planet Earth. If maybe your desire is telling you that maybe you're actually not in the faith to begin with, and I think we have to ask those questions. The Bible says you should test the spirits. the The Bible should test you should says you should test yourself to see whether or not you're actually in the faith. and And does the church have problems? It does, but you know that's an easy out. I mean, isn't it? I mean, um, Walmart has problems, but you still shop, you know, I mean, the car dealership has problems, but you still buy cars. The, the coach on your team has problems and the team has problems, but you still participate and play. I think sometimes it's just a good way for us to have an excuse because we just want to do what we want to do. And we want to feel okay about it. I want to go to the lake every week and I want to feel okay about that. I want to pursue these other things and I want to feel okay about it. But, you know, a good friend of mine ruined me in this. He said, here's what I want you to do. Every time you have an aspiration or a dream, he said, I want you to finish the sentence out while the world goes to hell. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. He said, so think about it. You know, I'm, I want to advance, advance my career while the church goes to hell. Um, I want to I want to have a, a, an extended time every weekend at the lake while the church goes to hell. And, you know, over and over, it kind of ruins you, you know, but, but that's the perspective that we need to think. Not only is it about my growth in Christ, but it's also about understanding that if I really do love Jesus, if I really do and have authentically entered a relationship with him, why do I not want to participate in the thing that he said was so important? He'd give his life for it. That's right. right. Yeah. I recently was talking to a girl, a younger girl. Uh, she's like early twenties and, um, I was trying to like, get her to come back to church. She had been out of the habit of coming to church for a while. And um, she was like, I don't know, you know, it's kind of hard. It's just so much easier to watch it online in my house and stuff. And she's fine and healthy, so she can come. And sure. <laughs> um, anyways, I was just like, girl, it's hard work. Mm-hmm. This is. isn't, this isn't like, this isn't for you just to get benefits from. Yeah, And it's not for you to always feel happy all the time. This is for you to put in some hard work it's scary. Sure. That's life. Uh, yeah. I was like, I came to that church as a single person who didn't know a soul here. And I had to make this decision of like, I'm going to meet people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go into, um, you know, events. I, I helped serve at the tornado relief. That was my first time actually serving with that <laughs> church. I didn't know a single person. It was two minutes from my house. And so I drove over. I was, my heart was pounding. I was super <laughs> awkward. And, um, Angela Evett gave me gloves and like a a shirt or something like a t-shirt that those, those orange shirts. And, um, and I, I just was like determined I'm, I'm going to meet people. And I did, and I loved it. Um, but it was scary. It was hard. There was awkward moments. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't have people to talk to sometimes when you're standing around and I had to like make conversation. Oh my gracious. And, um, and so I think like, and especially our generation, we're so, um, uh, me centered Oh yeah. and, um, self-centered and, and we do think we want the easiest. Yes. We have Amazon yep. right away. We yep. have Disney plus I yep. can watch all my shows, you know, Netflix, everything is so quick. And like, um, I try to do my job that I get people connected real fast. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you have to do 
the scary hard work yourself. You do. And, um, and that it's worth it. But at the same time, like, even if you get no benefit from it, we should just do it. That's right. <laughs> right that's like, right. Jesus asked us to. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, one of the questions that we ask so often is we'll say, well, you know, um, do, you know, and, and we'll kind of connect that same question we were just talking about in this way. We'll say, well, you know, do I have to go to church for God to love me? And the answer to that question is, is going to be intriguing because number one, there's nothing you can do to make God love you. He already mm -hmm. loves you. That's, that's already established. The question of whether God loves us or not is already settled. We don't, we're not waiting for any more evidence. God settled that. 2000 years ago when on the bald side of a hill, he bud and died for us. That's already established. So that's yeah. done. The question is, is it's not whether God will love me. The question is, will I love God back? Amen. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus asked this or gave this commandment to us. He said, he said this, he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And so as much as we, we tie it, try to tie it into like this maybe philosophical, you know, conversation or maybe a feeling, you know, I love Jesus. Well, Jesus said, if you love me, Here's the test. Yeah. You'll keep my commandments. Love um, action. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting when you look at the New Testament, um, there's about 90 commandments in the New Testament that we call the one another commandments. And so it's how you treat one another. One yeah. third of those commandments cannot be fulfilled unless you're in the context of the church. And so let me give you a few of them. Be at peace with one another, Mark 950. Don't grumble among one another. That's John 643. Be of the same mind with one another, Romans 12:6 and 15:5. Accept one another. This is Romans 15:7. Wait for one another before beginning the Eucharist, 1 Corinthians 1133. Um, don't bite, devour, consume one another, Galatians 5:15. I could go on and on about um, yeah. forgiving one another, to, uh, carrying each other's burdens. All of these one another's are, are, are in the New Testament. Here's the thing. You can't fulfill those commandments without being in the context of the Lord's church. You, yeah. you can't do it. So so there's this piece that says, if I'm um, yes, God already loves me. It, that's already established. But am I going to love him or in return? And, and I can either try to love God the way I want to love myself or I can love God the way that God told me to love him. And and that's really up to me. And and so we, we see that these things being carried out in the church. And I think, Abby, I think you said it well, and I think it's actually very, very important. When you said, you know, it, we should do it because it's the right thing, no matter what. You know, we should do it because we should do it. And I think that's a... I think that's a hugely important element of of church itself is, you know, us doing it because God asked us to, because it's the right thing to do. And right. so, you know, do the right thing because it's the right thing. Amen. Mm -hmm. And um, it reminds me of that verse in Corinthians when uh, Paul is talking about communion and he was like, and uh, because these people are taking communion wrong, yeah. that's why some of you are sick and dying. Yep. And I don't think he means physically sick and dying. I think he means spiritually sick yep. and dying. And communion is, it's a church thing. It's, it's church, mm -hmm. you know, it's coming together as a church body, remembering what Jesus sacrificed for us. And if you are not in communion with other Christians, that is why you're sick and dying. That's right. Um, that's why your faith is is fading out and you're letting the world come in and crowd. I mean, like Daniel and his friends in the Old Testament, like uh, I think about them often of how they held on to their faith when there was just no reason to. Like they were exiles in a foreign land that was trying so hard to like make them conform to the Babylonian empire. And that's what we live in now. It's just this empire trying to conform form us. Um, but they rooted themselves in the scriptures. They rooted themselves in faith and they had each yeah. other and, um, they were able to, 
to like shine a light on God yeah. um, through it. And that's what we're supposed to do. And it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts. And and there's times when we're thrown in the lion's den. That's right. And and you still have to be faithful. That's right. That's right. Well, and I think too, when you when you look at the the mission and the purpose of the church and you think about it today, all that the church is up to and doing, when you take into consideration shallow water wells, clean drinking water hygiene. I mean, literally there are communities and there are big chunks of countries in the third world that the church is absolutely the upstanding hope for them in physical ways and spiritual ways. When you look at the distribution of food, the largest the largest social justice organization in the world is the church. Yeah. The the largest the largest uh um hand um, of helping those who are hurting is the church. The largest men, mission sending force in the world is the church. That's never changed, you know, and I'll say this and I don't, I don't care what I'm saying, so you can get upset. You don't see any atheists organizations digging shallow water wells. You don't see, they're going to argue and gripe and they run a whole bunch of negative campaigns, but you don't see them reaching into the world to those who are hurting and dying and doing something for them. But you see that in the church. We think that the church was made for us in America, for us as Americans. I'm, you know, you're supposed to make me comfortable. I'm supposed to like yeah. everything. I'm supposed to have a program that custom fits me and my family and you're supposed to whatever. And if you don't, we're leaving. You know, I just read this article the other day. It was talking about uh, college coaches that are needing counseling because of the transfer portal. You know, now that college athletes yeah. can transfer out of their program. I was like, well, just go have them talk to a pastor. You know, we've had the transfer. <laughs> we've been dealing with the transfer portal, transfer, transfer portal forever. I can't even talk. See? Got it's got you all you messed up. Yeah. They beep up out. Really? Oh, yeah. You have PTSD you know. at that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, we went we're leaving. Well, what are you leaving for? Well, you, the, somebody said something about somebody, and I'm done with that. So but it's not personal. Yeah, it's not personal. <laughs> yeah. It feels personal. <laughs> exactly. We just don't like you anymore, and we can't be your friend anymore. So, so anyway. But you know, Paul writes so many um, books of the Bible. Uh, you know, letters to the churches. Oh yeah. And why is that? Because church is the hardest, most rewarding thing you will do. It's true. And because it's around people and uh, uh, you know, a verse that we go back to all the time is Ephesians two ten to like, just talk about identity and it's for, we are God's masterpiece establishes yeah. who we are in him created though to do the good things he planned for us long ago. It wasn't just half of the story. And we always take the first half to make ourselves feel better. Like, oh, we're God's masterpiece. That's amazing. What? A, yeah. yeah. And it is. It's the truth. And we should feel incredible because we are his masterpiece. And not very many times a day do I get told I'm a masterpiece by random yeah. people. It's actually really special. But there's faith, a point to that. You're a masterpiece. Oh, thank you. Honey. <laughs> uh, uh, but there's a second part to that. And we're something. created to do the good things it's that good. God already planned for us long ago. He already planned it. It's my choice to act in it, though, mm -hmm. and be a part of it. And that I find that in the church is the easiest place for me to grab my shovel and start working. Yeah, it's the most important beating you'll ever take. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> So I think the conclusion is, is that we for sure don't have to go to church, yeah. but I do think church is a certainly a, I think it's a test. I think it's one of those things, my willingness to stick with and stay in something. I, and I do think about Jesus. I and mean, when you look at the disciples and you think about 
you know, he picks these 12 and they're knuckleheads. I mean, let's just face it. But she works with knuckleheads. All of us are really. Yes. I just Please can, own it. Just yeah. own that you are a knucklehead. Yes, exactly. And let you. us be knuckleheads. Exactly. <laughs> yes. But, you know, he could have, I mean, don't you know he wanted to get a do over? I mean, he yeah. could have easily said, okay, well, shoot, you know, this look at Peter. He's always running his mouth, you know, and nobody even hard to know Thaddeus. But anyway, the rest of them, you know, you got all the other, other group, dude, little or nothing. And then you got Judas. Obviously, we know him. Mm. Um, he was like Thief. a not yeah, good deacon. Master betrayal. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> anyway, but you know, you've got this guy that's going to definitely, you know, turn you over. But you know, Jesus stuck with him. Yep. And he stuck with him. He did. And he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, you know, do a do over. He stuck with him and he, and he, and he grounded out. And I think that that's really what a picture of church and the relationship we have with each other. It's kind of like, you know, you go into your mom's house and it's, you know, she's fixing Sunday lunch for everybody and she'd make these burgers and French fries. And, and you go, mom, you got any ketchup? And she goes, I know I'm fresh out of ketchup. You're like, that's it. I'm, everybody get your stuff, get the kids, <laughs> you know, we're done with this. They ain't mom got, mom ain't got ketchup. You ain't my mother anymore. You know? And, I, you see that as being silly, but that's kind of how we treat church. You know, oh, yeah. I didn't get my catch up, so I'm I'm taking my ball and I'm leaving. And that's that's really not what it's about. Um, even in the conflict of church, the church is still an incredible tool where God uses yes. us, that's right. um, uses it to make us more like him. He's he is helping us. What did Jesus do? He forgave. He loved. Mm -hmm. He long suffered. He endured. And all of those you don't get a chance to develop those things unless those things are tested. You you don't toughen up and you don't grow up in an environment that's sterile and separated. You will not yep. learn how to be in relationship unless you're in relationship. Yep. And to learn from that, you have to stay in relationship and you have to struggle through it and you have to work through it. And the church is the ultimate workout gym for your relational understanding <laughs> yeah. of what God wants us to be and do. Yes. So yeah. Yeah. I am um, on Easter. I was talking to this guy and we were, we'd probably been talking for 30 minutes or so in between services. And, and he was outside at the coffee house and we were just kind of talking and he was talking about business and he was a big business guy. And, uh, he said, man, um, I know how to, I know how to make a successful church. And I was like, a successful church. She said, yeah, one without any problems. And I was like, all right, well, what you got? And he goes, don't let people in. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Don't let people in. Yep. Because people yeah. are messy and people yeah. have our flaws. Yeah. But, but the church is the catalyst to our faith. So like I, I can, I can begin to understand Jesus without the church. Yeah. However, whenever I go to the church, it in encourages me. It motivates me. It, it, it pushes me to become a better Christian. It's good. Uh, there's going to be perspectives that people have that I did not have. There's going to be times where I'm not going to want to go to church and somebody's going to be like, Hey, you need to come to church. I need, it's I need good. you to see there. I mean, that's it's good. You know, that was one of the reasons that I, I came here is because I came here for a couple of weeks. I was like, eh, you know, whatever, you know, I'm just going to keep coming back. But the weeks I didn't come, I had faith and I had a lot of people like, Hey, you know, you should be here. And then, mm -hmm. and then I came to serve and then I, I didn't come and serve. I'd have people that were like, Hey, you didn't come and serve this week. You know, <laughs> I bet you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but then she? I saw the community here and the yeah. community was incredible. Yeah. And, and I saw the community that I was in and I was like, well, I'd much rather be in this community. And that's why it's that good. was one of the reasons I started working here. So there was just, I mean, church is just amazing. Yeah. And that's good. And people, of, and people take it for granted. One of my good. favorite quotes is, um, it, I'm going to butcher it, but <laughs> um, if I ever found a perfect church, it would be imperfect the second I walked in. Mm -hmm. And mm. I That's think right. a lot of times it's, you know, human nature. It's in me to look at all of the flaws in other people. Mm -hmm. And Jesus spoke to that, like the, the log in your eye and the speck in your brother's yeah. eye. 
um, but not see my own stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would just like press in, like if you see a lot of flaws in um, your church or that church or whatever, the first thing you should really work through are your flaws. That's good. Um, and you go, okay, Jesus, I'm really getting negative about my church. Um, please show me like my issues and my sin. Yeah. Um, am I bringing this into my church? Sure. Yeah. And how am I bringing this into my church? Am I bringing gossip into my church? Am I bringing dissension into my church? Am I bringing a negative downcast attitude into my church? Um, or am I bringing the things I want to see in my church, which is, you know, I want to see people coming to faith, discipleship. I want to see um, yeah. love and joy. Um, are those things happening in me? Mm. And um, and so we need to also see our own part. Yeah. I think a lot of times people say church and they mean the staff. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're right. Or mm -hmm. the the person they see on stage. That's right. Um, and that's not true. We need to break that. Um we understand why you see that because uh, those are the decision makers. Sure. Um, but uh, but to have a a more in depth look at of like no everyone here is church and um, I always say to people who aren't serving when I'm trying to get them to serve I always say you're making our body look real ugly right now <laughs> because if you're part of my body and you're not functioning that means like I got a limp That's or right. I'm real hideous right now so like we need to look like a normal person come on up in here That's and good. start well, serving and I'll add to that That's so you good. know we. I am naturally more pessimistic as a human, realistic, whatever. Uh, I would not consider myself the optimist in any situation. Um, That's why we're great friends. <laughs> yes. Abby's rose-colored glasses. I'm the contacts. Um, and, but here's what will, what the important thing that I to repeat to myself is you'll never criticize someone to a higher level of living. Yeah. And I think that's the truth of the church too. We want to sit at home and then we want to have an opinion. Yeah. And you know, I just ask myself all the time in like in my inner self is how if Jesus thought these people were important enough to die for them, not just yourself, it's yeah. not just about you. He also died for all the rest of the people in the church, all the rest of people in our world. And how am I going to decide that you're not worthy of my time? How am I going to decide that the people in the church aren't worthy of my time and that um, they're not doing it right? So I'm not going to participate. Well, Jesus, perfect. And all of his glory decided to die yeah. uh, for me and for you and the people in that church. So yeah. for you to decide they're not good enough for you is a silly thing when they were good enough for Jesus to die for them. Yeah. He realized the importance of sacrificing. So how am I going to say it's not worthy of that? And they weren't just young, pretty, no. like That's right. know, perfect yeah. lives. That's they, right. They're all people at That's right. all ages. That's right. Peter, he already knew that Peter was literally going to be denying him while he was dying on the cross. And yet he still died anyway. Yeah. And that just, and that's one of his closest friends. It just goes to show you that sometimes we just get that dang, you know, we, we focus so much on that little speck yeah. and yeah. somebody else, but it's the log in my eye. I need to get and it. And will use that speck to get you out of oh, church. Oh, Lord, sure really. He will. Sure he will. Yeah. That's good. That is so good. Get to church, people. That's right. <laughs> you know, and I think there, and I want to just just walk you through some things. I want to give you some church history because this is the part that you're never going to hear about, but you need to hear about it. And yeah, I'm going to give you yeah. some names that you're going to actually recognize. And when you understand what role they play in the church, maybe it'll help you understand how beautiful it is because mm -hmm. Jesus believes the church is beautiful. You say, Scott, how do I know that? Because he calls her his bride. You know, yeah. he believes she's beautiful. 
Um, and she is beautiful. If he says she's beautiful, she is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so let me walk you through some some church history. Let's talk about women's rights and freedoms historically and what role the church played in that. You know, Galatians chapter 3, verse 28 says, neither is there male or female. You are all one in Christ Jesus. And so the Bible tells us that very clearly that there was equality among men and women. And it tells us that long before we've ever seen a movement in that direction. In fact, mm-hmm. that would have been a very unpopular verse, even in the, the community that Paul wrote that to. Um, but a simple survey of modern, you know, Islam today, you'll see that women are certainly not not treated with equality. You can look anywhere around the country and you'll see that they're treated as second class citizens. Why are they treated differently differently where Christianity is a predominant uh, practice is because the Bible teaches us that is that there is there's men are not better or greater than women. It's they're not. The value is the same. And Jesus established that value through his death. Um Paul's instructions to um, to husbands is that he's you're to love your wife as Christ loved the church, Ephesians 5.25. So let me give you some instances where the church has made a difference in this. Before the arrival of the church in China in the 19th century, girls in China had their feet bound tightly. They were wrapped, and they would distort their feet. Many times this practice led to awful infections, amputations, and even death. Men desired women with smaller feet as well as the seductive sway that the woman had when they walked with bound feet. The practice went on in China for a thousand years. Do you know when it quit? It quit when missionaries arrived in China. And when missionaries arrived in China, they began to protest um, the practice, and they began to pressure the Chinese government until the Chinese government eventually passed a law outlawing foot binding. When did that happen? When the missionaries got Mm -hmm. there. Let's go a little further. Hospitals. Maybe you know the origin of hospitals. Maybe you don't. Matthew 10, 1 says, Jesus, he called his 12 disciples to him and he gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every kind of disease and sickness. Um, In the early church, Christianity had a real difficult time helping with healing because the persecution was so great. But the moment that they had a breakthrough in 313, Constantine um, defeated his co-emperor, Lucinius, uh, and the church was free to care for the sick and dying. At the church at Nicaea, uh, Nicaea, rather, 325, they directed the bishops to establish hospice, which was now the word we use for church, for hospitals, in every city that had a cathedral. Wherever there was a church, there must be a hospital. Thus began hospitals as we know them. In America, in 1524, the church founded the very first hospital in the New World. It's the Jesus of Nazareth Hospital in Mexico City. And by the way, it's still operational today. Mm-hmm. Nursing profession. In 1854, church partner um, and Christian Florence Nightingale went to the shores of the Black Sea to nurse British soldiers who are wounded at war. After returning home, she devoted the remaining 50 years of her life to promoting hospital reform and administration and in nursing. In 1860, she co-founded the School of Nursing at St. Thomas Hospital in London. Her words were this, the kingdom of heaven is within. We must also make it from without. Amen. In 1864, it was Jeannie Heron Durant, a Christian church partner, founded the International Red Cross. In 1881, Clara Barton, she was a Christian and a church partner, founded the American Red Cross and her, and her life verse was, as you did to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it for me, Matthew 25, 41. Um, how about this in education? The printing press, Johannes Gutenberg, he was a Christian and a church partner, um, and he had the desire to reproduce reproduce books quickly, which was unheard of at the time. Up to that point in 1436, the Gutenberg press was finally accomplished and completed, um, and it was Gutenberg's God-given task to do that. Um, and the Gutenberg print and press, guess what the first book it published? 
It was the Bible. Bible. The 42 line Bible was was printed on that. How about the first schools? The apostles' teachings were were taught in a school type environment as early as 20 AD, but first official schools began to be established in 150 AD, where men like Justin the Martyr um, established those. Education of both sexes, that's where men and women both could be equally educated. The church taught that women were equal before and should be educated, which was unheard of at the time. Schools and churches was a were synonymous. Pastors oftentimes were the teachers of these schools. How about this? Sunday school. What was the origin of Sunday school? In 1780, Robert Rikes of Scotland, a Christian and church partner, found that because children worked on a farm 12 plus hours a day, six days a week, any school through the week would be impossible. His creative idea would be to offer school before church services each Sunday, and he called um, um, so that he could teach the children about Jesus and how to read, write, and, and simple mathematics. Um, he said, I just simply asked that the kids have clean faces and clean hands, and that's where Sunday school started. How about the abolition of slavery? Let's look at the church's history in that. November of 1837, Elijah Lovejoy, a Christian and church partner and radical, was accosted and killed by writing pro-slave radicals um, in his printing office in Alton, Illinois. You want to know why? Because he unabashed chose to make a stand against uh, human trafficking and slavery. It was Elijah Lovejoy's death that sparked the work of Edward Beecher, Beecher, another Christian and church partner and Presbyterian pastor who began his life's work of abolitionism. It was Edward Beecher's sister, Harriet Beecher Stowe, who had authored the book Uncle Tom's Cabin. In 1839, Charles Finney, a Christian uh, Christian and church partner and charismatic preacher of revivalism, um, he was a fearless preacher and he preached against slavery. At one of and at one of his meetings, a young man was converted, Theodore Wilde, um, who later wrote a book on anti-slavery, slave as it is, slavery as it is. This book is one of the resources for which the Uncle Tom's Cabin was written. Still, another church partner and clergy, Charles Torrey, known as the father of the Underground Railroad, his leadership in in the slave movement is credited with having helped 100 thousand fugitive slaves escaped northward to freedom. Tory was moved by the faith of Elijah Lovejoy um, to do something. Tory died a martyr's death in Maryland jail while serving time for uh, abetting escaped slaves. John Brown cited Tory as one of the three abolitionists he looked to as models for his own efforts. <clears throat> so what more could I say about the church? I could talk all about things in our history that we've done. I could tell you about the things that we're involved with today, everything from hygiene, eliminating disease in foreign countries, and making sure that the gospel gets everywhere. The church is beautiful. Jesus finds her beautiful. It is his bride. And yes, you can get to heaven with nothing but Jesus, but to say that I'm going to go to heaven and I'm and I'm, I'm en route there and not participating or not having a heart for the very group of people that Jesus died for and the organization mm-hmm. that has had more impact than any other organization in human history on this planet. It's hard for me to conceive that you can say, well, I want to be in heaven and I want to be with Jesus, but I don't want to be in the very institution and organization that's carrying forth his gospel and the work on this planet. It's hard for me to put those two together. So I would say this, yes, you can definitely go to heaven with nothing but Jesus, but I wouldn't want to go to heaven, look him face to face one day and say, Lord, you know what? I spent my life on what I wanted to do. I focused on me and I certainly didn't focus on what it was that you asked me to do. I think that'd be a huge, huge mistake. And when we look at the work and the efforts of the church throughout human history, 
Do you want to be a part of that? Would you would you want to be a part of that person who helped establish the Underground Railroad? Would you want to be a part of that person who who printed the first book? Do you want to be a part of the organization that established hospitals and think of the countless lives that that saved? Would you want to be a part of the organization that has brought food to countless people who were starving? Wouldn't you want to be a part of that? I can't even imagine not wanting to be a part of that. Instead, I'm going to stand before the Lord one day. I'm going to say, you know what I did, God? I went camping. Uh, God, instead of, you know, instead of being a part of the church, you know, I, I chased out, I wanted six figures a year. Uh, instead of being a part of the church, Lord, you know, here, here's what I did. Um, you know, I had this really cool hobby. I, I flew airplanes, model airplanes. Is, is that what we want to go into eternity? I wouldn't think so. And so how is it that you move with where God is moving? You move in what God is moving in, and God moves in and among his church. And he has done that throughout human history, and he will continue to do that. That is his chosen tool to change the world, and the world is changing because of it. And so I would say... Let's press forward. Do we want to go to heaven? Absolutely. But you know what? I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want to reach Amen. as many people as I can. Yeah. And let's not live for us. Let's live for him. Yeah. Jesus is a subject in heaven. He needs to be the subject here. That's right. And the only way that I can make that established with my flesh is to constantly be reminded of it. I do that when I assemble with the church and I get around church leaders mm -hmm. and people who love Jesus as much or more than I do. And we spur each other on. We encourage each other. And we fulfill the great commission and the mandate that God gave us. So, yeah, you can get to heaven without the church, but... I'm not exactly sure how you would live that out, mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that you'd want to. So, yeah. so um, we're going to kind of we're going to kind of conclude there. I'd love to hear your comments. I would love to hear you know what you have to say, your thoughts, and um, I'd, you know if you've got questions and maybe you want to hear some more about something that we've we've talked about today, we'd be more than glad to answer that. We personally answer every single um, comment that's left, every question that's left. Um, we do that because we enjoy it. And so um, share this, you know, share what we're talking about with other people. Maybe, maybe you didn't know the value of the church. Maybe you didn't know how important she is and how beautiful she is in the work that God's given her to do. So, so I want to leave that with you. And I want to say until the next time we see you, may God bless you richly in all that he's called you to do.